solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this Friday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen. Every day, we are free and available on all platforms. I am one half of your co-host for the show, John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by Cody Davis. It's Friday, so you know that means we have Brandon K. Scott. But, Cody, let's talk Texans. Yes, sir. You just mentioned it. We got our guy, our brother, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 as we discuss the first half of the season and what is he looking forward to during the second half of the season, which I mean, at this point, is probably not very much. But ladies and gentlemen, because it's Friday, that means it's time that we want to hear from the listeners. You guys, John, let's get us started, man. What the listeners got for us this week? X-Razor. He says, if I was Janice McNair, I would make my son step down since he doesn't know football. Mm. Fire East to be and Nick Casario since they are buddies. Why not bring back Rick Smith? He is one. Of, he is the one who drafted all these players that we just let go. I don't know mm. about y'all, but Rick Smith was a good GM. He would never put us in this kind of mess. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me get this out of the way. Rick Smith is never walking back through those doors off 16 and Kirby. Now, this is a family show, and a lot of things that we learn are very confidential. I want to put emphasis on the way Rick Smith left is a part of the reason why he won't come back. Something like that. Uh, I don't think he will... I don't think Rick Smith will ever be a GM in the league again. I think he was a very good GM. I do agree with you there. I think uh, Rick Smith was, was the GM, the person in the room, the voice of reason that made that call to get Deshaun Watson. Now, you may look at that as, you know, well, if he made the call to get Deshaun Watson, we probably wouldn't be in, in the situation we are in the first place. I understand that. However, Rick Smith had nothing to do with where the Texans are now. He did help them get to where they should have been. Jadavion Cloney, Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, uh, have faith in, in, in signing, excuse me, Arian Foster. Uh, so many great Texan greats Rick Smith was a part of in that building. However, Jamie Roos is gone. Uh, so many great Texan organization players, not players, personnel people are gone, and Rick Smith is never coming through that door ever again. Now, I do have another one, Cody. And this one was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't want my GM calling plays. This is from Jalen Johnson, 0339. Yeah, I don't want my GM calling plays like that if this is true. I will give Cully some slack, but we all know that he only here. That's a typo. So he's only here until we find the next coach that does that makes us a contender. I hope Rosario doesn't get in the head, next head coach's way. And, Cody, I'm going to give that to you, but before I do, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think David Cully is the coach for the promised land. Now, do you guys remember Moses? Y'all remember Moses? Let my people go. And if it was like the black Moses, it was let my people go. 
Moses brought the people out. But if you remember that story correctly, even Moses didn't get an opportunity to see the promised land. Only two people saw the promised land. You remember that story? If we can go back to the Bible, only two people out of generations saw the promised land. And I'm using that to say that David Cully will be the head coach that goes through this rough period. It is what it is. The next head coach to come through Houston's door, I think that will be the coach that will be able to kind of put everything together where it needs to be with a set plan and doesn't have to ha have his hand held. Or let me, re let me restate that, Cody. Isn't forced to have his hand held by higher management and make this team a, a contender or just make them more competitive and watchable again, Cody? Uh, one, if Jack Easterby is watching, listen to Locked On Texans, I'm pretty sure he loved that analogy that you just used. Um, it fits with the culture. <laughs> it fits with the culture. So maybe we get in brownie points with upper management, which hopefully that means they'll probably start listening to us and the listeners. But uh, – I don't think Nick Osirio is going to get in into the way of the next head coach because at the at, at the end of the day, the next head coach is going to be his guy. And remember, John, just last week, last Friday, as a matter of fact, we talked about the possibility if if Brian Flores get let go by the Miami Dolphins this offseason, which is a realistic possibility, don't be surprised if his next job is being the head coach of the Houston Texans because Flores, Casario, they are boys. They have a really good relationship. Flores is a guy who will stick to the Texans culture that they are trying to create. Rather, that is faith, family, and football, or that's just somebody just because he's from the Bill O'Brien coaching tree, the New England Patriots way, Patriot of the South, any type of culture that the Houston Texans are quote-unquote trying to establish, Brian Flores fit that in more. So, <laughs> He's not going to get into his way because he's going to have a little bit more trust. And not just with Brian Flores, but anybody that's going to be the next head coach. Because, look, I hate to say this about David Cully, but we all know what the situation is with Cully. And, and I, I, I honestly do hate calling him a placeholder. But, I mean, let's be real. That's exactly what he is. And it doesn't matter if it take what, three months or the next year or so. Nick Casario and Jack Easterby and whoever the hell else is going to be interviewing and searching for a new head coach, they're going to have their guy in here soon, and it's not going to be the we decided to kick a field goal from the two-yard line. It's going to be I decided. Absolutely. Sorry, Moses, but your people got let go of, of J.J. Watt's contract, of the greatness of, of DeAndre Hopkins, of the greatness of all the great players. They got let go of all that. That bondage, <laughs> and for 400 years, and it ain't going to be 400 years. It could be a couple of years here in town. They're going to walk through the wilderness, okay? They're going to walk through the wilderness. People going to complain like they already been doing. They going <laughs> to – remember them folks wanted Moses gone. Well, who they want gone? They want everybody going to fire East to be always in the comments. Fire Casario, fire – uh, fire Cully. But but that's the scary on. part about it then. I don't even think, if you want to keep using this analogy, I don't even think the Texans have found their Moses. Because the Moses is supposed to lead them to the promised land. David Cully isn't leading nobody to the promised land. As a matter of fact, this is probably the beginning of Pharaoh's reign. That's oh what this God. is, which oh is even God. more scarier. We got to go through, if, if we're lucky, Moses might be on the doorstep, and this is the time period where we're going through the um the plague the great plague 
that went through Egypt. Maybe this the plague. I don't know. If it's not oh the gosh. plague, boy, we in for a long one. <laughs> I we love that story. The plague with a lot of bad football <laughs> from the Houston Texans. On the other side of the break, Brandon K. Scott. You know, we're going to have him on to talk about the Houston Texans season up to this point. And that will be an interesting conversation, I am sure of. This episode of the Locked On Texans is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where family and friends can come reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they will have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of those McFlurries and French fries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home or away team can come to recharge. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Ba da ba ba ma. I'm loving it. Make sure you stop and get some of them nuggets, man. I love them. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday, which means we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, what's going on, my, my man? Oh, man, it's all good, man. Always good to be with you. Uh, enjoying the bye week, uh, getting a chance to to breathe a little bit, uh, focus mm-hmm. on some other things, and also just kind of take a bird's eye view on what's been happening with the team, with the Texans. So, uh, so it's been good, man. Glad to be here with you. How happy are you knowing that you do not have to sit through bad football from the Houston Texans this Sunday? <laughs> Oh man, I, I'm definitely gonna take advantage of it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, like I don't even have one particular game that I have to watch. That you know, I'm I'm interested in the New Orleans Tennessee game, mm-hmm. um, just for I guess for more more so for local reasons. You know, those are those are teams that are, uh, you know, that are, that are kind of close close to Houston in, in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. or with local ties. But there's there's not necessarily even a, a, a game that I'm more so even overwhelmed with on the schedule as much as I am just glad to not have to be forced <laughs> to watch. Not even just the Texans, Cody, honestly, but just have to watch the one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that, because it, it would be that way no matter if they were good or bad, uh, but the fact that they are so bad and that they are so unwatchable, not even that they're so mm-hmm. bad, that they're so unwatchable. Uh, and I think that's been a theme and a word that's been used quite a bit um, throughout the season and even before the season when you're talking about what were your expectations or what what would you like to see from a 2021 team that everyone pretty much agreed across the board wasn't going to be very good. Everyone outside of that building would tell you that that wasn't going to be. And, and if you asked them to be honest, they probably would have told you too. But, yeah, you know, you wanted, you wanted to at least have a certain watchability factor with the Texans this year, even if you knew that they weren't going to be any good and you haven't even had that. So to not be keyed in on the one game, number one, and then number two, that for that one game, not to be one that has been such unwatchable football, which is what this has been pretty much for the past, you know, call it eight, seven or eight weeks or so. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's good. It's good. I mean, I even have the option to not watch football a little bit if I want to on Sunday. So uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I'll be Really excited to get back into it once, um, you know, once next week rolls around because I, you know, I am still glad to be able to cover. Like it is still a privilege to cover the the, the pro football team in town, no matter how bad they get. But just in terms of what I'm doing on a Sunday and what kind of football I'm watching, I, I am glad that it's not going to be the Texans. 
<laughs> you know, Brandon, you mentioned something that I do want to harp on. You talked about how unwatchable the Texans have been over the last couple of weeks. And to that point, and Brandon, you know, we did not expect much from the Houston Texans. I think I might have been the one, you know, just giving them five games was just saying that I had a little bit of expectations. But are you surprised that the Texans are this bad? Because it's not the fact that they are losing. Like, you take a look at the Detroit Lions. I believe they are 0-9 as of right now. They are losing, but at least they are competitive. The Texans, at times, they do not even look competitive. And it's how they are losing these games. Are you surprised that it has gotten to this point where people are saying, especially you guys over at Sports Radio 16, that the inaugural team in 2002 was better than what we are seeing here from this team in 2021. No, I mean, I I think that was even a discussion point when this when the season started. Like when you looked across the board and you said, okay, who are the playmakers for this team? Who are the players of the future? Um, I know on 610 they did an exercise. You know, Seth Payne is the co-host of Payne and Pendergast, our morning show on Sports Radio 610, and he was the starting defensive lineman on that inaugural team. And they did an exercise where they went up and down the, the starters, up and down the depth chart, and you know tried to figure out with with this twenty with this two thousand two Texans start on the twenty twenty one team, and to a man, Seth, who you could say is biased because he was on that team, but you know I think for the most part, maybe t- ten of the eleven guys for the most part were <laughs> starters on the from the twenty. 20- from the 2002 team to the 2021 team. I mean, wow. this, we, I, we thought this for a while, and all the Texans have done is validate that. And, and so, you know, through their play. And, and so I, I, don't, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Some, a lot of us have said that this is the worst Texans team, and, we, and we, that's not the only one. You know, we've seen some bad ones. 2013, I think 2013 was... That was most of injuries. Injuries and an, I was going to say an avalanche of, of of issues that I don't even think are comparable. You look up and down the roster and the talent that was on that team versus what's on this team. Mm-hmm. But but you you asked if I'm if I'm surprised. I, I I am surprised a little bit that they that they have just you know we just talked about watchability that. A, that they've been this unwatchable, and, and B, that they haven't even been able to do well some of the things that they actually, I think, tried to do well. Cody, there's a lot of discussion on whether the Texans are trying to win, whether they should be trying to win, and just what are the priorities? Like, what are they and what should they be, right? But I think just in a vacuum, on a surface level, one thing that they wanted to do well was run the ball, right? They didn't do that very well last year in 2020 with Deshaun. And I thought that going into this year, knowing that they wouldn't have Watson, and without disrespect to Tyrod Taylor or even Davis Mills for that matter, they knew that they weren't going to have you know, a high-level quarterback play. And so the idea was that they were going to be a hard-nosed, smash-mouth, run-first football team, that they'd be able to at least run the ball, whether it was between the tackles or whatever. Like, they were going to be able to run the, run the football. They 
basically bungled the whole deal with the offensive line. And the running backs that they brought in, they brought in basically they they have five running backs to start the season on the active roster. Only one of them is good. And the one that's good, they trade away for basically nothing. So, you know, I look at the fact that they couldn't run the football and can't run the football. Run blocking has been bad, not just the offensive line, but just across the board. And you look at the last, the most recent game against Miami and how from the line to the running backs and Tyrod himself, how they were just inadequately prepared to handle the blitz. And so I'm just really disappointed in what they look like up front more than anything, because I think that that is something that they were trying to get right to some degree. And they didn't, you know, I mean, we're talking about what they didn't get right. They didn't get anything right. This is a a failure of epic proportions. Like everything is bad here on this team for the most part. But I look at that and that that will, I would say, be the one thing that surprised me because I did think, hey, you know, they're going to have a better run game. Um, I thought Philip Lindsay would be much better. He's arguably the worst running back in the league. Um and so, yeah, I, I'm surprised at that, that that they were that that they're that bad up front, and that they can't that they can't run the ball at all. Given that that was what their <laughs> stated identity was supposed to be, uh, but the fact that they are bad and that they are this bad, I mean, I think we saw that coming. Brandon, um, before moving on, I do want to ask you this question. You know, they started off the season, of course, the win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, whether you believe the hype or didn't, you know, it was a win. It's probably the only win that we're going to get here this season. But then there was the game against the Cleveland Browns. We all know the story. Tyrod looks good, goes down, and then it's looked like it's been a steady decline. If you could pick one game where you can say, that was the nail in the coffin to the season. What game will it be? Because for me, I think it was the game against the New England Patriots. It was a winnable game, and they could have and should have won that game. Bad play calling all around. And not only did they lose that game, but in Brandon, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but did it seem like that loss was also the nail in the coffin, even if you pick another game? Because – the demeanor of every single one of those players, especially David Johnson during the post-game press conference, said to me that this was a team that was, I hate to say it, but giving up on a season. Yeah, man. You say nail in the nail in the coffin, man. I, I like I, I never really just had any hope for the team at all at any point. I think that if you were gonna nail down one or or pin down one, I think that one would be it. But I also look back on I I don't like how easily it seems like that Buffalo game was forgotten. And I, I know at the time, <laughs> I guess we just decided because of what Buffalo was looking like at that moment mm-hmm. that, man, they just lost to a much better team. The weather was bad. What can you do? But that one for me was the most demoralizing or, or it was mm. really when it started. I would say when it started, I, I think it hit me and I realized, OK, this is this is going to be this bad, you know? And of course that's, that's Davis Mills and you're coming off the tie rod injury and, you know, 
you got all of these uh, these other things factored into it, of course. But that that was kind of the moment where it crystallized for me. I think one of the words, like uh, if we reflect on the first half of this season and just where we are in general and the word that I would use, I heard y'all do this with Kim Davis earlier, um, uh, early in the week about a, a word to describe the season. And mine would be embarrassment. The Texans right now are an embarrassment. That's where we are right now. And that embarrassment was really crystallized for me in Buffalo when they lost 40 to nothing. And that was really kind of the moment, you know, (laughs) where I just really kind of realized, hey, this is going to be, it's going to really take a long time for this team to really start to look like, you know, what a, what a competent football team looks like. And maybe it's because of, what Buffalo represents, you know, the last time you won a playoff game was mm-hmm. against Buffalo. And it was led by a lot of some of the same characters, mainly the quarterback and the coach. And you think about, hey, this is this is what they had. This is what they were building on just two years ago. And look at how the tables have turned. You know, <laughs> I, I think that was really the moment for me, Cody, honestly. Um, but did I ever think that this season had, especially once, Tyrod went down and it seemed clear he was going to be down for an extended period of time. And then we started having the conversations about whether they were going to even play him again anyway. And and, and look, Tyrod didn't do himself any favors on Sunday, uh, last Sunday against the, 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 the Dolphins. This is one of the worst performances I've seen from a Texans quarterback. Um, very uncharacteristic of him, a real surprise. Look, I've been one of the guys out here beating the drum for Tyrod, saying, hey, man, I, I didn't want to entertain this this conversation about how you need to evaluate Davis Mills and you need to see what you have. I thought it was pretty clear, you know, and, and so you go ahead and you play a better player. Uh, you owe that to the player, to the team, and it's just a more honest thing to do. But he, didn't, he sure didn't look like a better player when they played the Dolphins the other night or the other day. So, uh, you know, that, and, and I mean, I saw that, that, that that's on him, but yeah, man, I I just I, I I look at this whole thing as just where they are, how they constructed this team, and looking forward. And it's just right now, it's just an embarrassment, man. Hey, Texan fans, Rockets fans, Astro fans, I am here, your boy John Hickman, and I want to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are making up to twenty five cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL, baseball for MLB, or hockey for NHL and get a bonus 25 per gallon on your first fill-up. So that's up to 50 cent cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Once again, download the app for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL, baseball for MLB, or hockey for NHL. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make the second listen, Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. All righty, Texans fans, we are back here on this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. Of course, we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon Nine games into the regular season, 
This team is sitting at one and eight on an eight-game losing streak. <laughs> um, what has been your evaluation of David Cully and Nick Casario as of right now? I mean, it's not good, right? It's, I mean, <laughs> like I said earlier, man, it's a failure on all fronts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from the top down, I think they would acknowledge that. At the very least, should acknowledge that. And so that, that I mean, that my, my evaluation right now would be that they've done a they, they haven't done a good job. You know, I, I start start with Nick Casario and just point out that, you know, he didn't like he didn't do a good job of constructing this team. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know how good this team ever was going to be. And so in some ways, I do sympathize. And like even going in, I wasn't that down on all of the one year contracts. And like I, I figured that this was a whole reset. You know, none of these none of these players that are on the team now are really a part of the long term plan for the Texans. And a lot of them rebuilding was going to be based on what they did in the draft and the decisions they made there. But when you look at some of the deals that were made and when you look at some of the way that money was spent, the way draft picks were kind of shuffled around and traded and wasted on players that ultimately did not play for the team. Um, some of the deals that just, that you would just rattle off Shaq Lawson, um, Anthony, Anthony Miller, um, those those are just a couple of them to to name a few. I know the Mark Ingram trade was criticized for what the return was, um, and then you just look at the overall construction of the team. Like even forget those moves. You, you you're just looking like like what what is this? What what are we what are we even really doing here? It never it never really made sense, um, which is something that I struggle with because I'm like I I don't really know what what to really do here anyway. Um, you know, second guessing, you know, thinking in hindsight, like, you, you know, you guaranteed extra money to David Johnson and somebody who you probably should have just cut bait, cut ties with to begin with. Like, why why did you guarantee money to David Johnson? Why is he on the team? Um, why is Rex Burkhead on the team? Um, why did you why did you trade for Anthony Miller only to sign Danny Amendola at the last minute when Danny Amendola had been available seemingly for the entire time? He, t- he told us. That, that was the longest time he had ever been looking for a job. And they went out and traded for Anthony Miller and 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 cut him six weeks later, however long later. He was on the team like a, a couple of months or whatever. You know, like it just it, it's bad. I I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's good. I don't think it's uh you know like a final verdict or anything one year in where you say, okay, this guy's bad at this or he's not right for the job. But I think if you're just evaluating at this point, I don't think how I, I, don't, I don't see what the upside is. What is the what is the what is the good to take from it? Um, as far as Cully, I would say the same. Now the expectation there wasn't very high either. Okay, I didn't like we hadn't like if we're honest, right? We hadn't really heard of David Cully before we found out that he was interviewing for the job, mm-hmm. and that's when we quickly started doing our research. Oh, we're like okay. This is a guy who's actually been around forever. There just hasn't been much of a reason for us to know about him unless we say lived in or were invested in those specific 
markets and places where he actually was working at at the times. So, like, if you had spent time in Kansas City when he was there or in Philly when he was there or in Baltimore or in Buffalo when he was there, you probably heard of him, you know, or if you're from Sparta, Tennessee. (laughs) But we had never heard of the guy. So the expectation was already low going in, and he's about met that expectation. Like, my whole thing when David Cully got hired and when we first talked to him was – Man, I just hope he can coach. Maybe you know, at least hopefully, he can coach. We we, we don't we just don't know. Um, we haven't really seen him in a in a front facing role in any kind of way, so it's hard to really know what to expect, what you're gonna get. But based off of presentation, um, he wasn't very polished in in dealing with the public and things of, of that nature. Based off of presentation, the feeling was. <laughs> you know, this is, this could be rough. And I, you know, I, I wasn't sure if that was fair to him. I wanted to be, you know, you know, jury still out sort of thing, kind of be uh, at least a little bit optimistic about what it might be once the football started to be, to, to, to get played. Then we got here and you started getting the curious in-game management decisions where it seemingly was one every week. Right, and we don't have to go through all, through all of them now because we, we we've done that and basically through all the podcasts. But seemingly every week, I mean, the most recent one was uh, was kicking the field goal on the two yard line. Yeah, fourth and short when you were struggling to get to 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 drive the ball down the field. Uh, think you know. So okay, every week we're doing this. It's bad. It's it like there's no other way. There's no kid gloves to 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 handle with this. Like, there's no other way to window dress it. It's bad. Um, there's been some discussion about like, could he be one and done? Should they move on from him uh, next year? If there's a, a coaching candidate, like, I I don't know what they were expecting. Like, this, <laughs> if they were expecting more from David Cully. Than what they've gotten. I'm not sure exactly where they saw it. And so where I kind of give him some grace is, and this goes back to another thing that, that y'all have been talking about this week on the podcast, on the Locked On Texans podcast, is the influence. And I I, I would dispute a little bit, not to go off off on a tangent, I would dispute a little bit on the, the, the notion y'all had about a power struggle. Mm-hmm. between Casario and, and David Cully, because I think the power structure and the power dynamic is very clear. I, I I just don't think that there's anything to struggle over or struggle about. You know, if it's, if it's unclear, I, I I'll, I'll be clear just to, in, in my opinion, the power struggle struggle is or structure is very clear in that Nick Casario is in charge. Everyone in that building has some sort of marching orders that starts with, some trio of Nick Casario, Jack Easterby, Cal McNair. And we're, and we're really talking about just Nick Casario and Jack Easterby. Those are the guys that are in charge. Then under that, you find David Cully, who I think or imagine has some sort of autonomy as a coach, but all under the direction and oversight of Nick Casario and Jack Easterby. So that's the power dynamic. And I bring that up just to say – you know, when we're talking about how we're evaluating David Cully, there is a question of what is the influence and the input of 
Nick Casario and and company, let's just say, since we know that he's got a headset on, he's at all the practices, you know, he's coached before, kind of v- views himself as more of a football X's and O's guy mm-hmm. than, than maybe other personnel or, you know, non-coaches, non-players might view themselves, right? So what is the influence that Nick Casario has on the overall coaching failures that we've seen from the Texans? Like, what is his, like, if we're, if we're, if we're questioning what he's doing, then we've got to also question whatever, whatever he's doing, what's the impact and the ramifications of that? Like, like, is, is he there complicit there when they're kicking the ball uh, on fourth and short near the goal line, when they are struggling to, uh, to, to get the ball down the field. Is he complicit when they're calling a timeout to go out there and and subsequently just execute the wrong thing or get a penalty straight out of a timeout or or call timeouts at the wrong time and and you know decision to kick to 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 kick versus go forward and all of, all of the times when they've messed up a decision, what was his role in that? You know, like I, I think those are are fair questions when you're evaluating Cully. You know, like like what is he's not doing this on his own. You know, um, we see Frank Ross there a lot of times when it's time to make a a crucial decision in the game. When you're looking at the at the TV copy, you know, what's that about? What's going on there? Um, so I, I think you you got to also look overall at what I thought was a a, a, a decent coaching staff that they assembled in the offseason to support David Cully, but it hasn't turned out all that well. You know, I, I thought that in some, in, in, in on the one hand, David Cully was set up to to fail based off of the the talent and the roster that he was given. But on the other hand, I thought between the coaching staff and you know. They, they tell you that Nick Casario's got, you know, has been involved and wore, the heads, wore headsets in New England. You know, so between all of this wealth of knowledge and experience, you know, he was supposed to have help, you know, in, in places where he might be weak or, or uh, inexperienced or be lacking. And I haven't seen it. So, I mean, I mean, just overall, man, it's just been bad from the, from the top down. Good Lord, Brandon. <laughs> you okay, man? <laughs> You've been down this whole entire podcast. Did I bring down the energy? Hey, man, look, I'll tell y'all <laughs> one thing. I'll tell y'all what y'all can do. Y'all keep looking at college football, man. Y'all keep looking forward Whoa. to the future. That, that's what that's what I hear from Texans fans. Like, it, it's, it's funny. You talk about me being down. Here's where I'm different from a lot of the other fans. Like, just, like, just straight up. A lot of the Texans fans have become resigned to the losing and are like, man, they're tanking. They're bad. You know, like, don't even worry about it. You know, call me when they stock up on draft picks or when they trade Deshaun and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. You know, like, that's how most Texans fans have dealt with this and are are viewing this. But I live in the moment, man. I'm, I'm all about the present, you know, and I can see what's you know what what the what the future could be once they get all their draft picks back and 
you know, assuming that Nick Asirio even values draft picks and that they might draft well, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. I'm looking at right now and I'm like, man, what's the word I used earlier? This is an embarrassment, Mm, mm, an embarrassment mm. right now. And then, and then you look back or you look up, I should say you look forward and they're playing Tennessee. (laughs) They're playing Tennessee when they come back. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on all your social media platforms? And please be sure to tell them about the B Block podcast, my man. Yeah, man. So I'm at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. I'm at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. And you can find the B B Block podcast basically anywhere you get your podcast. Spotify, Apple, Google. And of course, if you follow me on social media, you'll find it there too. So uh, plenty of ways to find us. Sounds good. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. And of course, my co-host, Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at John Hickman underscore 12. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.